Blessings, family. Welcome to Know the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Brother Yatab. And in today's episode, we are going to continue covering Easter with part two, Customs and Beliefs. From Good Friday to Ash Wednesday, let's get right into what the words say. All this and more as we find out the truth according to the word of God. Stay tuned. So let's get right into it. Easter, customs and beliefs. So the lesson objective. By the end of this lesson, listeners will have a good understanding of the different customs and beliefs associated with Easter, as well as have the tools necessary to prove or disprove claims. So the first segment is going to be Good Friday Doctrine and Sunrise Service. So Good Friday and Sunrise Service. So now many of us are familiar with Good Friday. So we we hear Good Friday, but yet and still, if you use whatever Bible app, Bible Gateway, Blue Letter Bible, so on and so forth, type in Good Friday. See how many results come up. I'll give you a hint. Zero. Give the answer. Now type in Passover and see how many results come up. So at least the source I use, it had 72 results. So now what is the Good Friday doctrine? Good Friday occurs two days before Easter Sunday in the United States. It is the day when Christians commemorate Jesus Christ's crucifixion, which plays an important part in the Christian faith. It is not a federal holiday in the United States, although it is a state holiday in some states. And that's from timeanddate.com. Now, the belief is Friday plus Saturday plus Sunday equals three days. Now, of course, off top, to question that, would generally seem, okay, well, that makes sense. That is what it is, right? But again, remember, we have to see what the word of God says and what he defines as a day. And that's how they say, therefore, he rose Easter Sunday. And so generally for many of us, it makes sense. But let's understand scripture this is coming from because a day is defined as from sundown to sundown. So it'll be Friday sundown to Saturday sundown is one. Saturday sundown to Sunday sundown is two. So that when you're dealing with two. So I don't know who did the math for that equation, but you know, we gotta we gotta double check some sources. So let's go back and examine the prophecy. Let's get Matthew chapter twelve and verse forty. Let's get the book of Matthew, chapter 12, and verse 40. Matthew, chapter 12, verse 40, and it reads, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. So many of us have heard of Jonas, which is just a rendition of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay. Three days and 
three nights. That's what we have to understand. Three days and three nights. Let's get Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, and then we're going to skip down and read verse 8. Okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 5 and 8. The book of Genesis, chapter 1 and verse 5. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. In the evening and the morning were the first day. So this is what we have to understand. The evening came first. Darkness came first. And then the morning. And then light. So darkness begins the first portion of the day or the first half of the day. And then the second half of that day is when you're dealing with the portion that is given to the sun. So the day isn't just indicative of what we think of. Okay, well, the sun rises. That's when the day starts. The sun sets. That's when the day is over. Or no, it actually starts the evening prior. When the sun sets that day prior, that's when the day actually began. It started in that evening. The first half of that day, when the sun comes up, that's the second half. So now, verse 8, and it says, And God called the firmament heaven in the evening and the morning or the second day. So he's always listening evening and morning because the day doesn't just consist of just those 12 hours it, it it's generally 12 hours a day 12 hours a night that all together make it roughly 24 hours of course not literally because that's fixed time when, when time is not fixed which we'll cover in a later podcast but for the sake of this just to give you a basic understanding so now let's get daniel chapter 9 and verse 27 daniel chapter 9 and verse 27 daniel 9 and 27 and it reads and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. When it says he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, this is a prophecy concerning Christ, that Christ will confirm the new covenant that he is making and bringing in with many, especially those that will be alive at that time and those who come after for one week during that week. And it says, in, in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. In the midst of the week, the, midst, the middle of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. What sacrifice? The sacrifices and the oblation that were given for sins. He will cause that to cease through him being that last offering for sin. So now when you look at the days of the week, literally, when you have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, hey, Wednesday is literally the midst of the week. And for those who like, well, how do you know it's been the same? Well, do the research and we'll cover it in future podcasts. But Wednesday is the true midst of the week. It is the middle of the week. It's been kept track of. So Wednesday is literally the middle of the week, hump day. Let us calculate the days with the proper understanding now. So Wednesday night to Thursday night would be one. Thursday night to Friday night would equal two. Friday night to Saturday night would equal three nights. Okay. 
Wednesday to Thursday equals one day. Thursday to Friday equals two days. Friday to Saturday equals three days. Three days and three nights are completed. So that means Christ would have risen that Saturday night. Let's get Matthew chapter 28 verse 1 through 6. Matthew 28 and verse 1. It says, in the end of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath ends Saturday evening. Okay, Saturday evening. As it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Okay, so now when many things, they think dawn means that the sun is coming up when that's not necessarily all the case. You read the scriptures and the dawn is done with they before the sun had even came up while it was yet evening. They were out there. They were out there. And remember. That Christ was already gone. So the Sabbath ended as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. So as it began to start toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and other Mary to see to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said to the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. So now, and that's what he gave to Sunday. He is risen. He rose. Now, I'm going to get a source. It's from the New Book of Knowledge, Danbury, Worler, 1981, page 41. It says every year on the first sun, quote, sun, end quote, day after the first full moon, after the spring equinox, a sunrise service or celebration was conducted. This is known today as Easter, Ishtar's Sunday, Ishtar's Sunday. This is given in terms of where Easter Sunday comes from. It does not come from a biblical practice. So the custom of a sunrise service on Easter Sunday can be traced to ancient spring festivals that celebrated the rising sun. Because when you read the scriptures and various accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you'll find out he he rose. It was still evening. It was still dark. So the sun had not yet come up yet. And this was from the new book of knowledge, Dan Bray Gorler, 1981, page 41. Let's get Mark chapter 7 and verse 6. Mark chapter 7 and verse 6. Mark chapter 7 and verse 6, and it reads, He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Because when it comes down to it, many of these things, people simply just want to partake in customs that have grown to be the norm for them or they're comfortable with it rather than truly digging to see what does the bible say what does the word say concerning these things now let's get to ash wednesday and lent next segment segment two ash wednesday and lent
Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is one of the most popular and important holidays in the liturgical calendar. Ash Wednesday opens Lent, a season of fasting and prayer. Ash Wednesday takes place 46 days before Easter Sunday and is chiefly observed by Catholics, although many other Christians observe it too. Ash Wednesday comes from the ancient Jewish tradition of penance, confession of sin, and fasting. The practice includes the wearing of ashes on the head. The ashes symbolize the dust from which God made us. As the priest applies the ashes to a person's forehead, he speaks the words, quote, Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. End quote. Alternatively, the priest may speak the words, quote, Repent and believe in the gospel. End quote. And that's from Catholic.org. Let's get Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16. The book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16. It says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So Christ is letting us know that, look, if, if you are ever going to do a fast, the nature in which you want to do it, you want to make sure you're not putting on a demeanor, a countenance, an appearance to try to seem more sad, more miserable in order to get people to ask, what's going on with you, brother? What's going on with you, sister? Oh, I'm fasting in order to get the praise from them because they see you fasting. You're making the sacrifice to really, if you're, if you're doing a true fast unto the Most High and you're making the sacrifice, going without food, going without water, then you're in a place to where one is going to see that sacrifice and think of you to be more holy or trying to be more holy. Now, there's nothing wrong with sincerely trying to be holy, but it becomes a problem if you're doing it to be seen of men, to be seen of other people. Then, if you're doing it under the, the pretense of trying to get others to see you and acknowledge it, and to say, oh, you know, how much of a sacrifice this brother, sister is making? Oh, how how close to God they must be. Well, you're not getting a reward from the most high. He's not looking at your fast sincerely. Your reward is coming rather from the people that you get those accolades from instead of the most high because you're not doing it. And with the level of humility, God will want you to apply in it. Now, also, you get other things like, as we were dealing with, the number 40 is common in the scriptures. It rained 40 days and 40 nights. Genesis, that's Genesis 7, 4 and 12, 40 days. After sighting the tops of mountains, Noah set forth a raven and a dove. Genesis eight sixty seven. Joseph mourned the death of his father Jacob for a period of forty days. Genesis forty nine thirty three through Genesis fifty and three. So and so on and so forth. Many things that deal with with forty. So, 
Now, let me get some other sources. So, quote, so no, our Lent does not date from the time of the apostles, but apparently it was observed before the year 339. That's early enough, end quote. And that's from the source, facts, myths, and maybes, everything you think you know about Catholicism, but perhaps don't, by John Deedy. Copyright 1993, published by Thomas More Press, page 235. So here it is. You have it. Well, others are letting it be known. Hey, we're, we're not necessarily as concerned whether or not these things date back to the time of the disciples and apostles in Christ. But rather, it's it seems old enough for us to celebrate when that's not quite the way that you you want to wisely and righteously handle it you you want to be sure is what it is i'm doing something righteous is it biblical is it scriptural if not you want to see do the do the scriptures speak against it lest i be partaking in something that god may disapprove of and very well can cost me my salvation let's continue so according to Catholics, Lent is derived from the 40 days Jesus spent fasting in the wilderness. But it is admitted that the observance of Lent was unknown to the disciples and it did not find its way into the church until several centuries after the time of Christ. It should be noted that the 40 days of fasting in the wilderness preceded the earthly ministry of Jesus, which lasted some three and a half years and was not connected in any way to his crucifixion or the Passover. Note that Lent is a movable observance connected to and preceding the festival of Easter. Easter is celebrated on a day specified only by the Roman Catholic Church and not the Bible. I say again, and not the Bible. And it's fixed based on the sun and the spring or vernal equinox. And that's from BibleLight.net forward slash Lent. So, quote, the word Lent is of Anglo-Saxon origin, meaning spring, end quote. That's from Margaret Ickix, the book of religious holidays and celebrations, New York, Dodd, Mead and Company, 1966, page 114. The 40 days abstinence of Lent was directly borrowed from the worshippers of the Babylonian goddess. And that's from the two Babylons or the papal worship. Alexander Hislop, 1916, Neptune, New Jersey, Loisax Brothers, Inc., page 104. So, Again, these sources are letting you know where these things are coming from, you know, but it's still up to you to decide how you utilize this information and what how you, you move forward in terms of how you apply it. Let's get another source. The celebration of Lent has no basis in Scripture. Again, the celebration of Lent has no basis in Scripture, but rather developed from the pagan celebration of Semiramis's mourning for 40 days over the death of Tammuz, hence Ezekiel 8.14, before his alleged resurrection, another of Satan's mythical counterfeits, end quote. John, this from John MacArthur Jr., the MacArthur New Testament Commentary, 
1 Corinthians, Chicago, Moody, 1984. Let's get Mark chapter 7 and verse 7. Let's get Mark chapter 7 and verse 7. The book of Mark chapter 7 and verse 7. And it reads, Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Okay, so this next segment is the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny. We all know it. Nice, furry, and somehow lays eggs. Let's get, a, let's get some sources. Little children are usually told that the Easter eggs are brought by the Easter Bunny. Rabbits are part of pre-Christian fertility symbolism because of their reputation to reproduce rapidly. This is from Simrock Mythology 551, Catholic Encyclopedia, Volume 5, Article Easter. So because, again, I don't know how many of you have noticed, but rabbits don't lay eggs. But somehow we're taught these rabbits lay eggs and somehow gave birth to, to, to Christ and, and, and gave birth to Christianity in terms of how it's celebrated because they're, they're tied one to another. They're intertwined. But let's get some sources and see why. Quote, eggs dyed blood red and rolled in the newly sown soil at spring equinox ensured fertility of the fields. The moon hare, sacred animal totem of Estre, laid more colored eggs for children to find. When today's children hunt for Easter eggs, they are reenacting one of man's oldest rituals, end quote. And that's from HuffingtonPost.com forward slash Donna Hens celebrate an egg septonia. Of course, I'll put all the links in the on all the sources in the show notes for you. And now the next quote. The Easter hare was no ordinary, but a sacred companion of the oldest goddess of spring, Estri. That's from Julian Fox, Easter, Vera Beach, Rourke Enterprises, 1989, page 11. Next quote. Quote. Like the Easter egg, the Easter hare, now an accepted part of the traditional Easter story, came to Christianity from antiquity. The hare is associated with the moon in the legends of ancient Egypt and other peoples. End quote. That's from Encyclopedia Britannica, Volume 7, Chicago. Encyclopedia Britannica, 1955, page 859. Next quote. Quote, the Easter rabbit lays the eggs, for which reason they are hidden in a nest or in the garden. The rabbit is a pagan symbol and has always been an emblem of fertility. Simrock Mythology 551, Catholic Encyclopedia, Volume 5, Article Easter. Let's get Mark chapter 7 and verse 8. The book of Mark chapter 7 and verse 8. Mark 7 and 8, and it reads, For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, 
as the washing of pots and cups and other such like things ye do. So, and this is what people do. They lay aside what it is that God tells us to do and rather hold traditions above the word of God. Let's get the next segment. Easter eggs. Quote, this Easter egg hunting is not mere child's play, but the vestige of a fertility rite. End quote. And that's from Funk and Wagnall, Standard Dictionary of Folklore, Mythology and Legend, Volume 1, page 335. Quote, the egg has become a popular Easter symbol in ancient Egypt and Persia. Friends exchanged decorated eggs at the spring equinox, the beginning of their new year. These eggs were a symbol of fertility for them. Christians of the Near East adopted this tradition, and the Easter egg became a religious symbol. It represented the tomb from which Jesus came forth to new life. End quote. It's from Greg Dew's Catholic Customs and Traditions, 1992, page 101. Can you believe what they said? Oh, my goodness. Easter became religious. They represented the tomb from which Jesus Christ came forth to new life. Told you. Like I said, Easter egg then gave birth to Christ. But, again, this is why we need to study and understand. So, even some may even, if you even look up how to make your own resurrection egg, they try to combine them all day let's get the next source quote eggs were a primitive symbol of fertility but christians saw in them a symbol of the tomb from which christ rose and continued the pagan practice of coloring giving and eating them at easter end quote new age encyclopedia volume 6 china lexicon publications 1973 page 190 the Greeks and Romans worshipped this same egg that the Babylonians worshipped in the past. Heliopolis and Typhon's eggs are sacred eggs found in Greece and Rome. So and you can look up all these different eggs, Heliopolis and, and Typhon's eggs. And this is uh, from Bryant's Mythology, volume 3, page 62. Now, I mean, the Roman Catholic Church now has its own official pagan representation of Ishtar, which pretty much is now known as the Virgin Mother, who stands upon the top of the sacred egg of Heliopolis. So with the serpent typhoon at her feet, and you can find that you can Google that and, and find it. So now. Next source, Eastry, the Anglo-Saxon name of a Teutonic goddess of spring and fertility. Tomb was dedicated a month corresponding to April. Her festival was celebrated on the day of the vernal equinox. Traditions associated with the festival survive in the Easter rabbit, a symbol of fertility, and in colored Easter eggs, originally painted with bright colors to represent the sunlight of spring and used in Easter egg rolling contest or given as gifts. End quote. And this is from Funk and Wagnall's Encyclopedia, article. Easter. Let's get Mark chapter 7 and verse 9. Book of Mark chapter 7 and verse 9. 
Mark 7 and 9, it reads, And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. Let's get the next segment. Hot cross buns. Some of you may even recall the song, Hot Cross Buns. Let me see if I can play it for you. Okay, we've had enough of that. Okay, but let's get more where these come from. Let's get Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 18. The book of Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 18. Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 18, and it reads, The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven, and to pour out drink offerings unto all other gods that they may provoke me to anger okay Osah does not like these things because it's not in celebration of him it's not honoring him the hot cross bun for example is pagan in origin the anglo-saxon savages consumed cakes as a part of the jollity that attended the welcoming of spring the early missionaries from Rome despaired of breaking them of the habit and got around the difficulty at last by blessing the cakes, drawing a cross upon them, end quote. That's from Margaret Ickix, the Book of Religious Holidays and Celebrations, New York, Dodd, Mead and Company, 1966, page 134. Here's another source, quote, the buns, known too by that identical name, were used in the worship of the Queen of Heaven, the goddess Easter, as early as the days of Cecrops, the founder of Athens, that is, 1,500 years before the Christian era. One species of sacred bread, says Bryant, which used to be offered to the gods, was of great antiquity, and called bone, or bone, B-O-U-N. Diogenes, Latrius, speaking of this offering being made by Empedocles, described the chief ingredients of which it was composed, saying he offered one of the sacred cakes called bun, which was made of fine flour and honey. The prophet Jeremiah takes notice of this kind of offering when he says, The children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven. The hot cross buns are not now offered, but eaten on the festival of Astarte. But this leaves no doubt as to whence they have been derived. End quote. That's from the two Babylons or the papal worship, Alexander Hislop, 1916 Neptune, N.J. Liswick's Brothers, Inc., page 108. Let's get the next segment, Easter Bonfires. Quote. Pagan festivals celebrating spring included fire and sunrise celebrations. Both later became part of Easter celebrations, 
end quote. That's from the New Book of Knowledge, Danbury, Groller, 1991, page 44. Next source. Quote, bonfires on Easter Eve are particularly common in Germany, where they are lighted not only in churchyards, but upon hilltops, where the young people gather around and jump over them, dance, and sing Easter hymns. These are remnants of pagan and sacrificial rites in which quantities of tar-soaked barrel staves, branches, and roots of trees were burned. End quote. Priscilla Sawyer and Daniel J. Foley, Easter, the World Over, Philadelphia, Chilton Book Company, 1971, page 103. Let's continue with the next source. Quote, Every year at Beltane, or the 1st of May, a number of men and women assemble at an ancient, druidical circle of stones on her property near Creef. They light a fire in the center. Each person puts a bit of oat cake and a shepherd's bonnet. They all sit down and draw a blindfold a piece from the bonnet. One piece has been previously blackened, and whoever gets that piece has to jump through the fire in the center of the circle and play a forfeit. This is, in fact, a part of the ancient worship of Baal, and the person in whom the lot fell was previously burnt as a sacrifice. Now the passing through the fire represents that, and the payment of the forfeit redeems the victim. If Baal was thus worshipped in Britain, it will not be difficult to believe that his consort, Astarte, was also adored by our ancestors and that from Astarte, whose name in Nineveh was Ishtar. The religious solemnities of April is now practiced, are called by the name of Easter that month, among our pagan ancestors, having been called Easter Manath, end quote. And that's from the two Babylons of the papal worship, Alexander Hislop, 1916, Neptune, N.J. Luke's Brothers, Inc., page 104. Let's get Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 21. The book of Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 21. Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 21. And it reads, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. And that's exactly what people do. They allow, and as we read in the last quote, Literally, they were burning people, offering up as sacrifices. So, but yet and still, many people are doing it symbolically today through partaking in these things that are not of the Most High. So let's get the next segment. Easter lilies. Easter lilies. Quote, the so-called Easter lily has long been revered by pagans of various lands as a holy symbol associated with the reproductive organs. Let me say it again. As a holy symbol associated with the reproductive organs, it was considered a phallic symbol, end quote. That's from A.J. Dager, Facts and Fallacies of the Resurrection, page 5. Let's get the next segment. Easter parades and wearing of new clothes. Quote, for centuries, even in pagan times, it had been the custom to put on new clothes for the spring festival. End quote. 
This is from Priscilla Sawyer and Daniel J. Fawley, Easter, the World Over, Philadelphia, Chilton Book Company, 1971, page 134. Next source, quote, The Easter parade, which is held after church services in many cultures, is another survival from long ago. Before there were courtiers or fashion pages, there was a lively superstition, dear to princesses and peasant maidens alike, that a new garment worn at Easter meant good luck throughout the year. End quote. And that's from Margaret Ickix, The Book of Religious Holidays and Celebrations, New York, Dodd, Mead and Company, 1966, page 133. So you see, man, a new garment worn at Easter make good luck throughout the year? That ain't scriptural. That ain't of the most high. Yet, hey, common customs people do. Let's get Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 9. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 9. Deuteronomy 29 and 9. And it reads, Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them that ye may prosper in all that ye do. So God didn't give us those other things. He lets us know, keep his word, that we may prosper in all that we do. Okay? That's what it is we need to do and not celebrate Easter. So check on learning. True or false? Friday to Sunday is three days. False. True or false? We are commanded to fast 40 days. False. True or false? Do rabbits lay eggs? False. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Remember to show your support by following and sharing the podcast with family and friends. Next episode, if God permits, we will be going over Mother's Day and Father's Day. We all love our parents and want to show them how much we care. Yet, how many of us consider if we are loving them the way God intended for us? And is this day in line with his vision? All this and more as we find out the truth according to the word of God. Stay tuned.